0: Welcome to the MacFab engineering podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and cooking crawfish. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Doman and Stephen Craig. Well, I I thought about adding like electrical engineer chefs in there, but whatever, Um,
1: this may be the first time where we're actually going to talk about cooking, um, in depth. I'm sure we've talked about it before yeah you know what we may not even talk about it in depth this is just a random topic yeah we have no idea it's gonna be fun yeah um and, and this is episode 378 the one that
0: we talk about crawfish maybe um so we have some podcast news um we're switching our podcast hosting company the company that we currently use um basically sent out like a notification like on a Friday that like hey they basically sent out an email, like not not even like an email like a, just a notification of when i logged in to upload that week's episode of like they were like hey we're suspending our hosting services so good luck and they're like question mark <laughs> yeah well yeah cuz they were like oh we're uh we're not we're going to suspend this service and i'm like okay when and they and they're like the dates when we suspend it this is like not a uh, exact quote but it was like the dates we are going to uh suspend these services may change but they didn't give a date they just said the dates may change
1: mm, that sounds like the plane's going down and they're just trying to like hold the yoke and hold the I, plane. I guess
0: um <laughs> and so i spent like half my day on friday building a backup and then um we transferred and I didn't do the transfer um Michelle who's lead of marketing he did the transfer and over to our new host I don't think it's fully done yet like we have now two RSS feeds for the podcast and then eventually one will be deprecated and then the next one will take over so hopefully there's no service interruptions of the podcast if like for some reason the podcast episode goes missing like for one week it's probably not missing it's probably just like the RSS feed on your app is like all messed up so
1: uh okay I was about to ask all of that said what does that mean to our listeners hopefully nothing hopefully nothing but if we're still recording we're still doing this this podcast so if you don't get one on the normal time um th- that may be the reason
0: yes um going to try to make sure there's none but podcast stuff is really weird because it's like old school technology of rss feeds and then like the podcast apps like read that but then like if there's two feeds like what does it do i have no idea yet we'll see we already switched hosts once and it wasn't a big deal so who knows
1: yeah okay but I i'm looking at our notes there's some other podcast news that we've been talking about for months, and you didn't even put it on here. What happened just a few days ago on May the fourth? Oh, we
0: uh on May the fourth we had a macrofab event, the first macrofab meetup in four years. or five
1: years. Yeah.
0: So how did it all go? It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of people show up. A lot of people wanted to talk to me about the podcast. That so was a lot of fun. Um Oh, uh, Matthew uh, Prater, I think I'm saying his last name right. Prater, I think. Prater, that's correct. It has an R in it. Um, he actually showed up from Arizona. Oh, no lie. I, yeah, he, he he went to go hang out at NASA, too, for a while, but um, we're probably going to do another podcast with him uh, next. I, I actually I don't think we ever set a date, so we have to figure that out with him. But it will happen. But it will happen. Um he is a professor from Arizona, from uh, oh, what college is that in Arizona? You know what? I want to look it up real quick.
1: Matthew Prater.
0: Yeah. That was episode like 100 and something? 193.
1: Man, that was a long time ago.
0: Yes. The University of Advanced Technology in Arizona.
1: Okay, so you, if you if you hold these things then uh or these um, uh these events then you now know that you may get people out of state
0: yes that's kind of cool
1: that's awesome actually well I, if you're listening thanks matthew
0: yeah it was a, it was a lot of fun talking to you again matthew and um i'm hoping we can do another podcast together we have to figure out some topics um but well, i think we can make it work was it a good turnout Uh, Yeah, it was a pretty good turnout. Um, Probably a little bit less than probably what the marketing wanted, but it was about what I thought it would be.
1: That sounds fairly normal, though. Like, marketing's uh, (laughs) probably like, we're going to have 2,000 people
0: here. Actually, what's interesting is, I don't know if you saw the email from Matthew, because he listened to last week's episode about... Uh, the radio how radiation affects electronics because that was actually one of his previous uh, careers jobs I guess Mm
1: -hmm. yep I I I have seen that um, and I've read through a little bit of it I've been so busy recently I started a new job and it is just it's consuming my time right now so uh, I'm I'm a little bit behind on my communication with people So that is one I will need to take care of. But, yes, I did see that. All right. So we're going to have a couple topics
0: on this week's episode. Um, Hopefully we get to them all because, like, we started writing notes and the remotes eventually went to two pages, which is
1: a lot more than we normally have. It just, it, it's funny because we, we get, usually we write notes for this. We, we have ideas of what we're going to talk about before the, the podcast, but most of the time, the notes don't exist until 15 minutes before we start recording. And uh, and so a lot of times I have no idea what Parker's going to talk about. And this is one of those times where it's like, we both had a blank page and five minutes later, it just exploded <laughs> into all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess half of this is me copy pasting something from the Texas DMV occupations code, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, I, I, I had a I had a um, I had a class back uh, in college that w- it was technical writing. I took technical writing over a um, a summer semester because I was working full time at a place doing computer monitor repair on old CRT monitors. It was awesome. Like we did component level repair on CRT monitors. And, uh, and for the end of the semester project, you had to write a manual for something. And I asked the professor I was like, could I write a repair uh, manual for these, these monitors? And he he was like, yeah, that's perfect. That's like, exactly what I'm looking for. So I ended up writing a repair manual for it. And it was probably 10 or 15 pages of actual repair information. But then I put all the schematics and i put all of the assembly drawings in it and so you know people are turning in these like two or three page like documents i show up and i slap this whole document package down on the professor's desk one inch binder it was like 90 something pages it was a book i gave him a whole book and he's like what the hell and i was like don't worry it's like all schematics
0: that's awesome i got an a on it all right, so we're going to talk about the uh, we're going to actually probably make the box truck an official MacFab engineering podcast project. Now so I'm something that we just kind of talk about in the hush, hush background of things. Um, we have a crawfish boil that Steven is doing soon. Unfortunately, it is not a MacFab event, so you can't go to MacFab.com events and sign up for a crawfish
1: boil. I wish.
0: Yeah. Um, then we're going to talk about 3d printing and then Steven's CNC machine. See if we can get through all these. Cause these are like pretty beefy
1: and we're like 10 minutes in already. Yeah.
0: All right. Box truck. Actually, I think we should do the crawfish boil first.
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's do. Cra- so, so it's just so happened that a friend of mine came up to me and invited me to go get crawfish the other day. And crawfish in Colorado is kind of a weird thing. Uh, let's just put it this way: there's no native crawfish to to the mountains out here. Uh, and so he he invited me to go get crawfish, and we we went, and it was you know it was expensive and like not that great. And he he turned to me as we're eating this crawfish. He's like, you know, we could do this better. Uh, and 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 I was like, Yeah, absolutely. I've done a few crawfish bowls. He so, comes up to you the
0: next day with like the deed of a restaurant that he just bought.
1: <laughs> and 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 it's funny because he he hits me up and he's like, This this we could do this so much better. He's like, What 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 if we did a crawfish bowl? I was like, Yeah, that, that sounds like fun. We should plan something. And then I hear that Parker is coming up here in just like what, two weeks. Maybe yeah, oh, less than two weeks now um, for a completely unrelated uh, thing. So I was like, okay, you know what, Parker? Do you want to do a crawfish boil? And his eyes lit up. It's like, oh uh, y- yes! It it doesn't take much to 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 have a crawfish boil with a Texan. In fact, I think it's important to note or important to say, like, what is a crawfish boil? Because. We probably have a lot of listeners that have no idea or what, what is even a, a crawfish, crawfish oil yeah, is. what is yeah, a crawfish? A mud, a mud bug. Uh, crawfish are like, what? Lobsters? Freshwater lobsters. Lobsters yeah.
0: that live in the bayou.
1: <laughs> and they make little mud domes or mud huts uh, by the water. And they're, they're, they, they don't look appetizing. Let's put it that way. They're I mean, these little things that look like very miniature lobsters. And you boil the snot out of them with some really tasty spices and you you eat the meat out of their tail. And it's like an all day event. It's a fun thing. And we're, we're having a crawfish boil up in Colorado. And, uh, we actually ended up finding a Asian Mart up here that gets them, gets sacks of crawfish shipped up from the South twice a week. Uh, and and they usually service restaurants up here that that service um crawfish. But you know, if you're willing to buy thirty or forty pounds at a time, they're happy to sell you a sack of it, which is perfect for the amount of people that are coming. Uh, I mean, thirty to forty pounds is enough for Parker alone, right? uh two Parkers, two two Parkers. <laughs> <laughs> I I can I can do about three pounds of crawfish, and then I'm like, okay, I need to sit down.
0: I can eat a ton of crawfish but i'm I'm an experienced eater yeah
1: (laughs) it it, crawfish boils are weird they're very weird unless you've actually uh, unless you've experienced it like you have to go through it because it's just it's a it's a thing and the thing about uh, crawfish you don't really get much meat out of each crawfish so it seems like you're eating a lot because you eat like for a long period of time but you get such little amount of protein each each bite that it's like I don't know it's a fun thing that you can do with a group of people and the and typically traditionally the way you do it is you have a you have a big table you boil the snot out of however many pounds of crawfish your boiler can handle and then you strain them out and you just pour them on the table and everyone just stands around the table and eats crawfish I don't know it's yeah, what's really gonna be fun. interesting
0: is I've never cooked them at that altitude before I mean, the highest altitude you have ever cooked crawfish at is like 45 feet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so th- that was one of the weirdest things to get used to living up here in, in Colorado. In the in the summer, water boils at 203 degrees uh, at my house, and I'm 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 uh, I'm about 100 feet over a mile, 100 feet mm-hmm. over 5280. Uh, and in the winter, when it's drier, water will boil at, boil at 201 degrees, hmm. and so uh, it just it just boils really quickly. the The boil off rate that I've experienced here, and of course, I'm an engineer. I've I've measured how much water boils <laughs> off, mainly for beer brewing, but uh, in 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 at sea level it's usually about a gallon of water per hour based off your vessel that's a that's a good rule of thumb you boil one gallon of water every hour up here it's about a gallon and a quarter an hour uh so 25 percent more because of the dryness and because of the altitude um, it just you get to a boil way faster so it changes ever all the ways you cook however boiling is boiling at the end of the day and really what we're doing is just heating up the crawfish and mildly cooking them. So I don't think we're going to have to do anything special. I would ask that
0: the it's the, what, what is it? The Asian Mart. Yeah. I would ask the Asian Mart if there's like, be like, Hey, is there any difference cooking them up here versus like at sea level, like time-wise? Cause it's, it's very like, cause you cook them for your time wise um and because usually depending on it, it also depends on the size of the crawfish too like big crawfish take longer to cook than smaller crawfish um and typically it's like two to four minutes on the boil and then like 15 minutes to 20 minutes on the soak depending on like how big and small they are so like the smaller they are the shorter the boil and the shorter the soak etc cetera, etc cetera. You kind of have to like guess on like how big they are, and then shoot for that t- like do the first batch and just make sure and like and then like you know eat them and be like oh, are they overcooked or are they undercooked and then and then adjust and adjust there. your time on that. Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll 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 have to figure it out. We'll, we'll do we'll do progressive batches because yeah. we're we're shooting for about forty pounds and the vessel that we could boil in, I have a a beer keg. Not the five gallon one, but a full fifteen gallon one that I'm going to take an angle grinder to, and I'm just going to cut the top off of it. Uh, the The nice thing about beer kegs is they're stainless steel, and so they're sanitary to boil things in. Um, and so it's a really it makes a really cheap, and for me, it was free because someone just gave it to me. Uh, it's a cheap way to make a giant vessel for boiling things. So that's that's my plan uh, at the moment. But but even in a fifteen gallon you know, keg, I can only boil, I don't know, 10, 15 pounds at a time. Uh, and so we're going to have to do progressive batches, which the fun thing about a crawfish boil, and Parker was, you know, mentioning this to me last week, is you make your first batch kind of light on the seasoning. Maybe not light, but you make you, you do a guesstimate on the seasoning. And then, and then if it's not hot enough, you spike it a little bit more for the next batch. And then you keep doing yeah, that you as keep, you go along.
0: Yeah, the trick is... You keep adding progressive spiciness to the batch. And so each batch gets spicier uh, throughout the night as you're cooking. And that's kind of like been my ritual in terms of when I cook. So like
1: <laughs> ritual. <laughs> I, guess, I love it. Um, I love it. That's so great.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the oh, and you need a cooler. Yes, because you let them rest as well.
1: Right. Right. So it's like the, it's the, a, there's one, a
0: boil, a soak, and then a rest.
1: And then you get to eat them. Yeah, 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 for sure. I have a cooler. It's not massive. So I think it'll be good for the smaller batches. Yeah, it'd be fine.
0: I like how Emmett em, in our, our uh, chat, it says it's like pancakes. Always going to mess up the first one. Usually you get it close enough where it's fine. I've never had a the first batch being just completely like burnt or ruined. Like... Usually what happens with pancakes.
1: I was about to say, I've had that with pancakes many times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have here
0: us making the lists that you need to get.
1: Well, okay. So it has actually been a while since I have been in charge of a, of a boil. I've certainly participated in them, but there's, there's kind of two things you need that are not the accoutrement, Like, corn and potatoes and stuff like that the spices what do we need for the boil and what do we need for the post boil to do this all right so boil ingredients
0: you need you need butter <laughs> <laughs> butter salt those are the that's two of the main ones uh and then you need a boil like i just use like a boil like catch-all cajun seasoning
1: yeah uh what do they call i know i know like the brand zatarin's has like a crab boil in a jar yeah that's what i typically use yeah
0: Yeah. and then there's an oil and let me get that i know what it looks this thing's like i know what they all look like like,
1: it's red it's red it comes in the
0: yeah, and it comes in a jar as well. The thing is, yeah, I know yeah. what they look like. I don't remember what the brand is called. I think it's just Louisiana Crawfish and Crab. Shrimp boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Yeah, it's like, con- I you can get it in concentrated or like normal. Let me know if you can if you can find that. If not, then I will be like, you're going to bring it up. I'm going to put it in my carry-on. Oh, not my carry-on, okay. my uh, check bag.
1: <laughs> That's so Texan. I love it.
0: Because there might be something you can't get there because the oil does different seasoning tastes to it.
1: Well, and and one of the big things is, is you know, you mentioned the rest in the cooler. Before you serve them, you spike it with more spice on the outside.
0: No, I, I, no I've i never done that. I just put the butter. Oh, I, just, I
1: love that. I just oh, put the butter so on it. So you like your uh, crawfish sloppy style sloppy with spice on the outside so it gets all over your fingers and then you're licking your fingers. Oh, it's so good. See,
0: I I don't cook them that way. I do it all... The, all the seasoning is in the boil.
1: Okay, maybe maybe we do a little bit half and half.
0: No, we can do it that way. I, this is your boil, by the way.
1: I'm just helping. Well, it's my boil, correct, but you are more experienced at this than I. If you want to do it sloppy
0: style... What's the actual term? Like, um, There's a restaurant here in houston i guess in the south in general called bb's
1: oh man there's just so good and bb's
0: has they have a, t- a special term for it i don't
1: i don't remember what I, it's it, definitely I, not called sloppy style it can be at my house <laughs> 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 i'm i'm totally inviting i well i have already invited the new engineering team from work and one of the w- interesting things about my new engineering team at work there's like eight of us. I'm the only one from Colorado who works here. So every single person has been shipped in from somewhere else. And I don't think any of them have had crawfish before. So like, this is one of those things where it's like, we'll figure out what it's, it's going to be an experience. I mean, if they show up. Emmett
0: <laughs> also says, he's asking a question, equal parts butter to crawfish? Not quite. It's only like a couple sticks for like a would, whole
1: cooler worth. a whole
0: cooler well not that's like a whole sack i'm thinking of it's like 30 pounds 34 pounds
1: well my cooler's not that gigantic.
0: yeah so you would probably do like a stick and a half for 15 10 10 pounds i've yeah, 10 pounds is, at once not,
1: this is not paula dean uh crawfish here no <laughs> no
0: but so that's like the seasoning yeah okay then you have everything else oh oh
1: Lemons, minced, right?
0: No, well, add the seasoning because I guess you can call the seasoning uh, minced garlic. You can oh, yeah, get yeah, minced yeah. garlic in jars
1: already. You just pour the whole jar, whole in.
0: jars in. Yep. Uh, that's the now. That's on top of just throwing in just
1: the garlic clove in. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I would almost be tempted to do the minced garlic after, as part of the sloppy uh thing you know i like cooking it in there because
0: yeah you can do both yeah yeah there's nothing it's like everything with cooking cajun style there's not really a wrong way of doing it it's just if you do it a different way you can just say it's something else i mean that's how that's true i mean guess that's how food in general works though
1: well yeah to a degree i mean there's some there's some cuisines out there that are very particular and if you deviate even slightly then you'll get slapped for it but they well, just uh, call it something yeah. else you you put you just put fusion on it and then boom done <laughs> yeah i like that but when it, when it comes to this like you said it's my crawfish boil or or we're, i'm gonna call it our crawfish boil because parker's helping enough yeah. to call it ours so we, we get to just have fun with it and uh yeah so However it works out.
0: Then uh, also in the boil. So let's talk about like the adjuncts, which is like the corn, potatoes.
1: (laughs) I like that you use the word (laughs) adjuncts.
0: Yeah, sausage and uh, mushrooms. Mushrooms is probably one of my favorites, though. I have a new reigning favorite of uh, adjunct addition to it is tortellini. Oh, right. That is i was i was shocked and appalled the first time i went to a crawfish boil and they used tortellini in the boil and then i ate it and i'm like this is the best thing ever because it has it has the cheese inside of it yeah. and then the pasta absorbs all the spices as well so you get this like spicy cheese ball but mm. oh so good
1: <laughs> we're, we're 25 minutes in and and we're just uh waxing about food here that's fine Okay, I think I think this gives a pretty solid uh, list of what I need to what I need to prepare for it. And and for the Slack channel out there, it, it, for anyone who's listening, if if you're not involved, go to this you know get involved with the uh, MacFab slash channel, which is macfab.com slash Slack. Right? Yeah, that's That'll an get open you invite. It. We will be posting pictures of all of this, so if you've never seen a crawfish boil, uh, stay tuned for that. I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that we need to put in that boil. So in terms of an entire project that comes uh, here, the project is I need to go saw the top off of a keg. <laughs>
0: oh, and have a <laughs> basket that fits it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've been researching that getting a basket's actually kind of difficult. Getting a basket that fits is difficult. So that's that's on my to-do list. Don't forget the Tums. yeah. Emmett's correct on that one. Though, yeah.
0: I seem to have a pretty iron stomach when in terms of spices. So that's, that should be fine. Or at least Cajun top, spices.
1: You know, on top of that, you know, this is not particularly healthy, but, you know, you're cutting this while drinking some beer. And that helps keep the acidic content Lots of in beer. check. <laughs> Lots of beer. Are you are, are, are we, we over, over budget? <laughs> okay, so Emmett asked, "Are are we over budget for the spoil?" You can't be over budget if you don't have a budget. Exactly. So. <laughs> I don't. I I haven't even priced what what this is. I, I right now we're looking at somewhere between twelve and twenty people uh, doing this. So it's like a we're inviting neighbors, we're inviting friends from the neighborhood, all all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, you know. Uh, I've been wanting to do something of this sort for a long time I had some I had some good friends in Houston that would very regularly have uh, driveway parties I guess you mm-hmm. could say where it was just like they had the grill going if you wanted to show up with some meat and if you wanted to show up with some beer you can come hang out and bring your own chair kind of thing and and I've, I've had some of the best times in my life with these friends in in Houston and After moving up to Colorado, we didn't have friends like that, and I've been wanting to become that for my neighborhood, because I don't see that very often. Uh, I don't see, like, my neighbors to the left and right of me, like, I know their names, but, you know, that's about it kind of thing, or I'll wave to them when we're both mowing the lawn. I've been kind of wanting to be that presence in my neighborhood, and I think a crawfish boil like this is a really good excuse for becoming that.
0: I can't wait. I'm it's I'm starving right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, let's stop talking about food and start talking about engineering
0: then. Okay. Are you sure you want to talk about engineering or do you want to talk about 3D printing? I guess this is
1: engineering. 3D this printing. This is totally engineering. Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, so this is spurred kind of from uh, Tony W from our Slack channel. Uh, they were working on a project and they were... This is just a great quote. And uh, they said, uh, "I find 3D printers to be close to magic. You make a wish in Fusion 360, export the wish to the Voron and Vorra. You ha- you wake up the next morning and your wish is on the build plate. I guess Voron is their 3D printer. Um, I-, I think that's what it is."
1: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but 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 the point is, it is magic. It's absolutely magic. I mean, it's 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 the very beginning step of, of a Star Trek replicator, right? Uh, it, it, how far away, away from saying Earl Grey hot, you know, and it just appears in front of you? <laughs>
0: Maybe not that, but definitely like anything made out of plastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I wanted to talk about is kind of like my current state in 3D printing and what I've built recently with 3D printing. I guess. Um, in
1: fact, as we were um, as we were writing the notes for this episode, all I heard in the background was the 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 warm whirring of stepper motors as Parker was printing something. <laughs>
0: yeah, fortunately, it finished like a couple minutes before we started the podcast, so don't have to worry about the noise. Uh okay, so I currently just print in polycarbonate from Polymaker. They make a material called I think it's like poly uh, let me just read off the real it's like right here polymax pc is that's all i print in um i do find it really i'm not a 3d printing enthusiast and what i mean by that is once i set up this printer to work really well with this material i kind of don't want to mess with it because i do treat it like almost like a a star trek replicator right i design my thing in fusion 360 export it to cura the slicer i never even adjust any of the slicer settings anymore i just click what, print
1: and and yeah when when you say export to cura you you mean make a wish really?
0: yeah yeah make a wish yes <laughs> um, and it starts up and then it heats up the build plate and then it starts up and prints and then i have my part like a couple hours later Now I also, I know how to design for this material really well, just polycarbonate material. So I know like stuff will print well. Um, So sometimes I might have to go in and adjust like supports or something, but usually most of my print without supports, I just make sure my design doesn't need them. And it's, it's one of those like, what else can I do with 3d printing? I guess at this point, like what's next, right? so I did get like a resin printer. I got an Elegoo Mars three before that I had a Mars two love resin printing. The problem is most of my prints are industrial style brackets and spacers and stuff, which don't really play really well with the resin printer, uh, in terms of like the material strength. Now there are like super strong materials that you can resin print, I haven't had the time to sit down and just dial that in um so back on though on FDM printing uh with my printer is what other materials are there should I be looking at like that's because I basically once I found like this material and it works really well in a lot of situations I use it in I kind of stopped looking um I guess that's makes me not a 3D printer enthusiast, right? Once I got it dialed in, I'm like, well, that's good enough now. I don't see a point. <laughs>
1: Keep it going. Yeah. And you're not doing things like mixing colors and stuff like that. Yeah. Doing like rainbow prints.
0: Yeah, I, I, I,
1: I'm almost at the point where like
0: if I wanted to do something else, I would have to get another 3D printer to even do that kind of stuff with. And I'm so out of touch of like actually looking at the like specs and 3d printers i don't know what's good or bad anymore because what i have is a a one how d6 a duplicator 6 and it's heavily modified at this point uh almost nothing about it is still stock so i wonder if there's like a printer out there like i'd like to get into printing what what's called tpu which is like a flexible rubbery material and that's also to do the kind of the same thing I'm doing with polycarbonate is building like maybe brackets and isolators and that kind of stuff for automotive stuff. So I can print like the, the right U shaped, uh, isolator for like the radiator mount on my 1965 checker like, cause you can't get that part anymore. Uh, so it would be nice just to be able to just be like, oh, here's the design, print it. Boom. In a couple hours, it's done but i would have to go and get a printer to do that cuz i am not tearing apart this printer that prints polycarbonate beautifully
1: <laughs> yeah you've got it. you've got it dialed in you, you were you were looking at the um what was it the elegoo
0: jupiter they have a larger yeah, that's the resin printer yes but i'm this is back on like fdm which mm-hmm. is like how my wanhao d6 is with like you know you have a spool of it and you like extrude right. it out Bread. Um, now there are flexible materials with resin as well that I could look into is, is that people out there in chat is that what I should do I know about TPU in FDM which is also really high temperature and has good oil resist it's actually a really good material for cars but I don't know if there's a comparable material for resin printing And another thing, I've I've mentioned this before, I'd really want to get into chroming or just plating 3D prints. The big thing with that is you have to make your print electroconductive before you print it. Though there was a way I think you can copper wash it, which helps. I just haven't experimented with that yet either.
1: I'm seeing something called FX60, which is a flexible resin, rubber-like, TPU-like, Hmm. So it's basically the resin version of TPU.
0: Gotcha. I'm I'm going to kind of lean on the community to tell me what I should do next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> I'm just googling stuff. Because Stephen, you have a 3D printer. I do, and and I have been using it more regularly now. Uh, and actually, in in relation to my CNC project. There's there's lots of little brackets and little tiny things that it becomes really useful for. In fact, one, when 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 dealing with a project like my CNC, it's sometimes it can become difficult to just pre plan because there's just so many parts that are involved in the whole build. And one of the things I recently ran into is I bought a NEMA 34 stepper motor from my Z mount, which is I, I have all the correct bolt patterns and everything like that, so all of my aluminum machining that I did months ago all works out. But the stepper motor I have has a longer shaft than what was originally designed for. So I have kind of two options here. I could take a grinder and grind the shaft down to whatever size I want, or I could make some spacers. And I'm, I was like, you know, I'll just use my 3D printer and I'll just pop in a few spacers Uh, and so like, it's been really invaluable for things like that, where it's just like on the fly, I need to make something and I want to make it out of something that's not like it's hobbyist grade, but I don't want to make it out of something like wood that makes, that just lowers the, I don't know, coolness factor of my CNC. (laughs) So yeah, I, so my, my little printer, um, what is it? A gosh. It's a mono price. I don't even remember what the the model number of it is. But it has a really small print area. It's a circular print area that's 120 millimeters. So there's not a whole lot that you can do with it. It's well, there's a lot you can do with it, but it but as soon as you start getting ideas, you can easily get over 120 millimeters and build print size but but it's it's also kind of fun to be restricted like that because now I have to design all my brackets to fit within that envelope I can't just be like make a whole giant bracket for a nema 34 because the nema 34 is bigger than 120 millimeters so now I got to be more creative with it and and frankly I think that's kind of fun so are we good are we moving on to
0: yeah I think we're gonna move on the 3d printing um let us know in the slack channel what i should do what should parker do for his next printer or just like res maybe someone's done more experiments with resin printers like industrial materials in the resin printers that i can like glean more insight into because i don't have time to experiment
1: <laughs> you're a busy man now
0: well, we all are yeah no lie okay um so i don't know if i want to talk about we said the box truck so let's just do it because i have i'm actually holding some 3d prints which is not for the box truck (laughs) they're for the checker oh nice um but so uh we're gonna make the box truck kind of an official project of the podcast talk about on the project uh macfab's not paying for it um i guess technically they're indirectly paying for it because macfab pays (laughs) me my salary and then i go pay for my all my parts right
1: yeah pass through
0: uh, <laughs> yeah uh so the uh most i think the last time we talked about it all the auxiliary electrical stuff was done that an auxiliary electrical on the truck side was done
1: yeah but you hadn't even touched the box side and i still haven't
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the topic that's, no that's not the end so the uh i got the I got a transmission cooler and it's fan wired in and installed plumbed all that good stuff i did that on saturday what 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 do you need a transmission cooler for so it has an automatic transmission uh and most all almost all automatic transmissions need some kind of external cooler circuit to keep them cool because they run really hot there's a lot of excess friction in there because they use clutch packs and a uh a torque converter that generate a lot of heat so you have to get rid of that heat and uh for what stock on my truck is kind of like barely adequate for what it does mean pushing a big box around in the air and i'm also going to start doing towing with this box truck so i'm like okay now i need additional cooling uh for the truck uh for the transmission to keep the temperatures in check so i installed a uh, i already had a transmission cooler and fan setup from a previous project that it ended up not using so it's just sitting in a box i'm like ah that will work fine so i was able to install it made some brackets welded some brackets together installed them underneath the uh, box truck and then i wired up all the switch uh, the relay and switches uh, I don't really need like the computer, the truck to tell it to turn on and off. I just use a little thermal switch. So it's like, it's got like a, if it gets over 185 Fahrenheit, it turns on. And if it goes under 160, it turns off. And instead of, I think actually on my red Jeep, I have it set up to where like all the current of the fan goes through the thermal switch, which seems to be fine. But everyone keeps saying that's not a good idea. Seems to be fine. It's been running that way for like a decade now. Why would that not be a good idea? Of self-heating or something like it's, that? Uh, it's something about like they're not rated for like the inrush current of the fans.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Now, the one on my Jeep's been running when when I installed that. I think I installed that actually was in college. So it's probably been on that Jeep for like 15 years now. <laughs> but this fan is bigger than that other one so I was like okay I'm going to do it the quote right way unquote so I installed a relay and so how I wired that up is basically like you know the voltage uh the power off the battery comes in um and it's actually on the switch side so the ignition switch has to be on, turned on for this fan to turn on to begin with uh, so switch voltage comes in it goes on to the the high side of the relay and then it also goes into the high side of the activation side the coil side of the relay and then the downstream side of the power side of the relay goes directly into the fan but on the downstream side of the coil i have that go to the thermal switch and then the bottom side of the thermal switch goes to ground and so when the thermal switch activates that actually turns on the relay which is only like 100 milliamps versus i think the fans rated at like 9 amp running let alone I don't even know what the inrush is which is probably like 18 <laughs> seems to run fine on the 15 amp fuse so we're just going to keep it at that <laughs> and so that 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 base took up all Saturday was routing all that tubing and stuff and uh because I had to make all the hoses out of uh an which is Army Navy fittings they're like 37 degree screw taper fittings so as it tightens the it's a flare fitting so it's there's no sealant or threads uh the seal it's just the mating surfaces need to be perfectly machined so when it comes together mm-hmm. it seals um most of the time <laughs> <laughs> usually like you have to get like the torque just right on them uh and they're easy to under or over tighten but usually when you over tighten them you just have to like back them off a little bit and then you kind of like wiggle the fitting and then tighten it back up and And it's it's usually fine
1: and it goes back to being perfect yeah it
0: goes back to being perfect (laughs) uh but yeah that took like almost all day on Saturday It, it, it always shocks me how long it takes to do stuff the right way like your projects that that it's always shocking how long that takes sometimes we're like, you're like, ah, oh, I can just throw some zip ties on this thing and be done with it. I'm like, no, five hours later, you made like eight different brackets <laughs> that hold everything just right. <laughs> um, I, I finished up the uh, rear light wiring now. So like I have like fancy brake lights and everything. That's all good. Like big boxy lights. Yeah, from like semi trucks. So they're really bright, really nice. Uh, Should look... Oh, should last for the lifespan of the truck. Uh, And then I was like going through some of my old parts up in the attic and I found my old uh, onboard air system. And what that is, is just like, think about like a compressor that you have in your garage. Uh, Same thing except onboard just means it goes on your vehicle. That's the only difference. Uh, I found my old onboard air system that I had on the Red Jeep like eight years ago at this point and i had all the parts i'm like oh i'll just throw this on the truck and now the truck has onboard air so that's really nice
1: what uh what what fills the tank is there, there's a small air compressor that goes with? there's an
0: electric air compressor that fills it
1: how long does that take to fill uh the fill it's
0: a three gallon tank and it to 200 psi it takes about 10 minutes
1: oh that's not terrible no it's not too bad yeah uh, is it like on a switch or do you do you keep it filled Basically, continuously. So, I do have it switched.
0: I have it, it it's runs off one of my switches on my dash I installed, the auxiliary switches I put in. uh But it has its own pressure switch as well. So, when you apply power to it, it makes sure that it's not going to overpressurize the tank. Now, there's also like an overpressurized uh, overpressure valve because uh, I think it's like a 200 psi tank rated. I think it can go up to like I want to say two fifty is it's like maximum safety, so I have like a two seventeen or two fifteen pressure valve on it, so if it hits two fifteen it will blow the the valve
1: and the purpose of this is just having air available for tires or for tools filling up
0: tires and r- running pneumatic tools, so like if you need to change a tire or anything like that um you have you have that onboard air given air on tap yeah it's great for the jeep because like when you go off-road you lower the pressure of your tires to like five pounds of pressure and then when you go back on the road you got to fill them back up to like 28 and you have like ginormous tires which take a lot of air uh and so having like a system like this works really well for that um now I don't probably really need one on the box truck, but it was like, I have all the stuff and it has lots of room underneath to put lots of stuff. So it went on. So why not? Yeah, why not? It actually, it only took like an hour to install. So it was great. It wasn't too bad. It actually took me longer to run the power wire from the front to the back of the truck than to
1: do the rest of the install. Did you run it through the frame or? Yeah, I have
0: like a when I did the trailer wiring in the back, I ran like a really big, like I think it's like a one and a half inch diameter loom all the way, even though that was way too big for that trailer wiring. I knew I was going to run extra wiring, so I ran a big loom already that goes like through the frame and you know around the woods and takes a left at Albuquerque and goes into (laughs) the engine bay.
1: Yeah.
0: I've never used so much wiring harness tape on a project I've gone through. So usually like a project takes like one roll of wiring harness tape. This truck is not even done yet. It's three,
1: three rolls so far. Well, how long is the truck? It's 20 something feet. It's an
0: 18 foot box. So that means like the truck is like 22 feet, 23 feet long. Right. So your runs are. Twenty Point yeah. Basically whenever you like oh I found out it's basically you cut your wire to twenty five feet and then start fishing that through and usually you end up with like depending on the route, of course, because you know there's wiggles and stuff like that, you usually end up with about a foot to maybe about maybe about a foot and a half extra, which is about perfect. That's not that
1: much extra, actually.
0: But hey, if it works. Yeah. Well, you cut that and you know you put your terminal on the end and stuff like that right, right, right. yeah um so what's next on the list well it is not starting on the rv yet <laughs> of course uh i gotta install a spare tire holder uh, i have to figure out how i want to design that uh actually we can talk about that here is is i have to redo this list uh and then check for leaks and transmission lines gotta check for those leaks make sure everything it's hunky-dory and the only way either to do that is to drive it around really
1: I think it's important to note that you're doing all of this to a virtually brand new box truck yeah. it's not like you're restoring something or fixing problems no but- that's
0: actually a great thing because I'd, I'd I, it'd be like on jack stands if I had to restore it like yeah. I don't have to touch the suspension the engine I honestly I'm putting it in a cooler to make the brand new transmission that's in it last longer mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. I'm doing it for uh without it, it would probably only last like sixty thousand miles, but with it it'll probably easily do double
1: well, it would only last sixty thousand miles with hauling a bunch of crap
0: right yes but i i you gotta think about it this way it's not a daily driver it's so it's gonna be the box truck is gonna be used infrequently, but when it's, it's a used, crap hauler. <laughs> yeah but when it's used it's going to be like abused almost like it's going to be hauling the rv and a trailer with a jeep on it across the nation every single time yeah, it's it
1: used the duty cycle is short burst but they're 100 percent, 100 percent and which is actually like the most stressful yes the most stressful possible <laughs> yeah
0: so i'm doing a lot of like preemptive set up to make sure that it can handle that kind of duty cycle and those kind of rates. Hmm. So coolers, better filtering systems, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the last thing I need to do before I can kind of move on to the RV section is install my, I have a 360 degree camera system to install. I just started installing that, which is like installing the cameras and the sonic sense as like backup sensors and stuff got to put that in that shouldn't be too bad that's like drilling a couple of holes and running the wire
1: and that's that's actually gets mounted in the box basically right in the top of the box
0: top of the box uh facing down so it's going to be like how a modern like luxury vehicles have those like really fancy like th- camera systems that you can like spin the car around and look around it's actually going to get one of those except it's designed for like buses I think is what the system's designed for. Yeah. Do I need that? No. Do I want it? Yes. How many cameras is it? Is it four? It's a six camera system.
1: Six? Wow. Yeah, I, I
0: opted for the six camera system because of the trailer. Oh, sure. So I can have the two side cameras can be spaced farther apart so I can cover more of like the trailer area around the back of the box truck. We'll see how well it works. Uh, so, uh, actually, on the spare tire holder, I, uh, I have a bunch of, like, I trying to build this with, like, the least amount of, like, with most of these projects on this box truck, buying the least amount of stuff and trying to reuse stuff I've collected over 10 years like of Like that random
1: cars. air tank you have in your
0: yeah. attic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So i actually have some spare tire like hoists that pulled off of cars and uh didn't steal them pulled them off of like uh well i went to like go to like a junkyard because i i was going to install a, a spare tire hoist on the wagoneer at one point and ended up not doing it so i have a bunch of like different shape ones i got from the junkyard didn't i did not Go underneath people's cars and take them. <laughs> Cut them off. <laughs> uh, so I have a couple different shapes and sizes that I can, like, choose from. But it's more about not really, like, what hoist I'm picking, but how you activate the hoist. And they're they're manually powered, so usually you stick, like, a, a rod in, and then you turn it um, to raise and lower it. Uh, I have one that you can access from the top. So you put a tool down through like your floor and you spin it that way. And then one's from the side. And I don't know which way I want to go yet. If I go through the side, I have to punch a hole in the side of the box truck, like below, so it's not in the box itself. Punch a hole in the side, but then I have to figure out like, how do I make that hole not look like a hole in the truck? (laughs) like put a panel or something over it like
1: yeah like a little like flip hood or something like yeah,
0: that yeah but it's like the hole needs to be like an inch in diameter and so i was actually having a hard time finding like the a right kind of fitting that would look flush and look nice Hmm. um would well, look nice on a box truck at least and, you know i don't want it to be like old
1: i mean it's a box truck what's wrong with the side um access you know, point because box truck sits high enough that you can get under it pretty easily. You don't need to go through the floor. Well, I'm looking at this as like,
0: I guess if you're having the change of tire getting like, let's say it's soaking wet, getting wet. Isn't too big of a concern, but I would not like, I, I like to be able to lower it down without having to like crawl underneath it.
1: Underneath the box truck. Uh, do you have a, uh, is it, dual tires in the back yeah duals. okay so how many tires are you gonna be hauling around
0: just one spare
1: okay yeah
0: if you need more than that then you're probably gonna tow (laughs) probably (laughs) um but the other one goes through the floor which would be a lot easier to one like i can get a smaller Like i can get like a twist style like a floor uh almost like a uh a a, uh a clean out for like a pvc pipe i can put like in the floor or something Mm -hmm. like that i don't know yet it's it's more of like i have access to like almost all the different styles of tire spare tire hoists but i haven't really figured out how i want to be able to access the hoist and that really dictates like how all that works but yeah no it's actually you can't really because it's going to be going between two i-beams under the floor so you can't really actually go underneath to access it because you would have to go ac- over the tire and there'd be no way to to do that so you are if it's a if it's a side sp- spinny part <laughs> i don't know what to call it this you activate the hoist but side access you Mm. you are going to have to have a hole in the side of the truck to hit it Mm. um and just having like a plug or something and I'm also thinking about like people messing with it and like you come in and the plug's missing or like someone's like messed with it and i don't want it bigger than it needs to be right like sure i might be able to get like a fuel door that will fit it but that's like six inches by six inches for a one inch hole.
1: But that one inch hole, you 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 don't drill it properly the right time the first time, and then it needs to be a three inch hole. So I just already cut a six inch rectangle out of my <laughs> box truck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm I'm almost thinking you've I've, you've probably seen these before. Like they're in venues and things like that for, like hatches on the floor that you can open up and you get access to. Uh, like mains outlets and things like that, mm-hmm. where it has um, uh, a little like swing latch that you can get your finger under. I'm, that's what's going through my head. If you can install one of those on the floor, such that it's flush, but I, but you can you can access the latch and open it up. Even even if it was like a mains outlet, not not the outlet itself, but the hatch that that gives access to it. That would be. I think that would work out well.
0: Yeah, I I think last time I looked at those, they were really expensive.
1: Really? Okay.
0: But yeah, I because I, I want something that can take if it's on the floor, you can I, just
1: walk on it. No I problem.
0: want something you can easily walk on, and I have to worry about breaking it. Well, you also want to walk
1: on it and not know that you're walking on it. I know that's like a. Like, no, you're right. Cares, I want it to but, be actually, but you flush, don't want to. You don't want to trip on it or anything like that. Yeah. No. Because I was looking at
0: um, they make those round, marine style access ports where they have the little spin in. mm Hmm and i'm like oh that would work great like but the problem is they do protrude a bit and i couldn't figure out a good way how to at least with my current tools how to countersink that flange right because i'm like you cut the hole and then you would need like a rabbit router bits to like cut like to do a countersunk flange
1: well okay what's the floor of the box truck made of plywood it's like five fourths plywood five
0: fourths okay it's an interesting that's actually uh, how that you measure wood in the United States so you don't say inch and a quarter you say five fourths
1: yeah okay but but I mean that's actually fairly thick to be honest yeah um it's actually yeah, rated well, you, for you, a forklift to drive on it yeah at that thickness that makes sense But you you could just hand route it. That's not a problem to to just plunge it to a particular depth. I don't
0: have one the route. I have the only router I have is a quarter inch bit router and they don't make a rabbit that can do basically it has to be like a it's a it's a point eight inch cut flange that's how big the flange is. They don't make a rabbit bit that fits that router. So I'd have to get another router. Right? So that already throws out the try to use what you've got rule on uh, on this truck dead. so far. I've been pretty happy with like what I've been able to repurpose <laughs> so far on this truck. <laughs> and I, I don't want to like ruin it by having to buy some fancy tool for <laughs> A for just a,
1: a, a minimal amount of work
0: yeah mm. it's like could I 3D print something
1: possibly you want to be you want to be able to cut through the the thing all the way and install something that ends up being flush yes so it's it would need to bottom mount and have the That's, correct thickness
0: yeah if I was going through the floor If I was going through the floor, that's what I was thinking is like, maybe I would 3D print like a a flange that I could bolt upwards Mm -hmm. that would have threads. And I wonder if I should just like model the threads too, like some coarse threads. And then it has like the, you know, if, if I actually made it have the same head that the head of the host has, so I could use the same tool to open up the thing. (laughs) <laughs> and then all I have to do is put an o-ring in there
1: yeah because it needs it seems, an o-ring that seems a little over overly
0: complex because it does need an o-ring by the way because for uh uh basically you don't want the outside air exhaust and stuff to get into the cab right so you need it sealed so you, I would I wonder if I went through because I have like a a bin full of like misfit o-rings and I bet you if I can find one it's like around like two inches in diameter and just design everything on that o-ring
1: <laughs> yeah I'm seeing doing a Google search I'm seeing a bunch of these uh, marine stainless steel hatches and they would actually look attractive
0: yes they're also like I think the cheapest is still like 40 bucks
1: oh that's not cheap <laughs> no
0: and I'm like I'd rather spend
1: three afternoons designing one and 3d printing it. <laughs> well now we know how much your time is worth well it's it's
0: one of those uh it's almost like the principle of it though yeah even though I could probably knock out the design in like probably an hour mm-hmm. it's not. it wouldn't be too hard and it would fit the same tooling I would only have to make sure that it's it would um not be too tight and then you know like the tool would cam out and you could never get it open
1: (laughs) yeah that'd be game over oh yeah let me let me see if i can send you i just found something that's a boat stainless lift handle maybe something of that sort because you just need a small hole access that's all you need yeah now you know what never mind i'm not going to send you this it doesn't it doesn't solve your problem (laughs) It would look cool, though, but you oh, still have to. You would still have to router down it into the floor. Yeah, if you want it to be flush. I don't know. You might be SOL on this, unless you go with the whole design your own. I mean, it's polycarbonate. It would last forever. Yeah, you still have to punch a hole through the floor. And no, that's
0: fine. I've already done that. Yeah, mostly to pass bolts through it. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. And I've already punched holes in the side of the truck too. I installed some like turn signals and stuff. Mm. Um, It's mostly like, how do you finish it? That looks good.
1: And this is a function that you never actually want to use. Never actually use. And so if it's on the side of the truck, it
0: can protrude a little bit how much is a little bit uh like a quarter inch or less okay so i've I've, I've looked at like maybe like a like a a, like they make fuel hatches things for like motorcycle tanks but they're Mm -hmm. still like 30 bucks yeah and it's like i have to go buy something to make this project work that mean that's kind of normal (laughs) <laughs> I know this is, I, I want to be able to do the spare tire holder and not buy anything.
1: I don't want to go to the hardware store once. <laughs> man, I'm I'm looking at these fuel hatches and they look really cool, but I'm also seeing prices in the like 70, 80 bucks yeah, you know, I know. range. Uh, they would look so cool, man. Or you could design your own.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing is it would only be about probably about an hour or so of work to 3D print it.
1: Sounds like you know the the route you're taking. Yeah.
0: I wonder if I should do it on the outside then. Should I do the side access one? And just put the this plug thing I'm designing on the side of the truck.
1: Would somebody come and mess with it?
0: I don't think you could, because it'd be a square drive. It'd be a half inch square drive is what it's gonna be. <laughs> I mean, no more than I, I, this thing, if it was a hatch, someone's going to open up the hatch. Right. But like the turn signals, like, yeah, sir, someone can mess with the turn signals, but like no one's going to mess with the turn signals. But someone's going to open up a hatch. I think I'm going to do the floor. Yeah. Though the side one, then I don't have to worry about sealing it. It just has to cover the hole. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to have an O-ring in it. Lots of design considerations. Well, I guess we'll talk about the rest of the RV stuff on the next
1: podcast because we're already at an hour and six minutes. Contemplating RV stuff. Yes,
0: like we didn't even get to the CNC stuff for you.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, it works anyway because I, I can. I'll have some more time to get further along with it. Okay.
0: Like, I didn't get to talk about the Texas DMV occupations code section 2301.002, paragraph 21.
1: Oh, so fascinating.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that next week on the MacFab Engineering Podcast.
1: We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. Take it easy. Later, everyone.
0: Thank you. Yes, you are a listener for downloading and enjoying our crawfish podcast. If you have a cool idea, project or topic, let Steve and I know tweet us at MacFab at Longhorn Engineer or at Analog ENG or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. That's the always open invite link.